0: All right, if everybody can open up their Bibles to Matthew 21. And if you could all stand as we read God's Word. Okay. Starting in verse 1, Matthew 21. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but Mm. only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, But even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith.
1: Thank you. You You know, I was up all last night. I barely slept. And... Part of the reason I couldn't sleep is because we've had a couple of our elders speak. And they brought object lessons, right? Do you remember? So, what did Henry bring? A knife, right? And then, what did Neil bring? A rope. I'm sitting there thinking, what story is this telling? We're bringing knives and ropes what can I bring? And I was up all night trying to think, do I dare? What's the next step? Uh, anyhow, I'm not bringing anything because I thought I'd get arrested or whatever. So anyhow, I'm um, going to do something different today. This is going to be an interactive sermon. I love to put myself back in the story. And so before we get to this passage, two major significant things, the triumphal entry as well as the cleansing of the temple, we need to do a little bit of recap because it's been a while since we've been in Matthew, right? And so what I'd like to do is take you for a walk. An interactive walk. The title, Who Is This Guy? That's the title. Who is this guy? And the first place we're going to go is to Jerusalem. We're in Jerusalem, and there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of talk going on about what's going on about 18 miles south of Jerusalem, just south of Jericho. Supposedly, it's been 400 years since Malachi, but supposedly there's a prophet there. And there's a buzz going on. And people are making their way down, and we're walking down to the Jordan River. Who is this guy? And if you're walking with me, I will say, um, by all accounts, he's not going to be hard to identify, okay? He's going to have like, uh, he's a Nazarite, so he's never cut his hair. He's got some camel skin outfit on. And if he invites you to lunch, be cautious (laughs) because how do you like your locusts? right? This is John the Baptist. And we're going down there, and John is proclaiming himself to be a messenger. He's to prepare the way of the Messiah, of Jesus. And we're down there, and it is crowded, and John is not a seeker-sensitive sort of pastor, As people are making their way down, he's not a friend of the religious elite. He calls them what? Snakes, serpents, who warned you? But it is jam-packed. The Jordan's not that big. We identify him, and then all of a sudden, John stops, and he yells out, And there's a hush in the crowd and he says what behold the lamb of god who's come to take away the sins of the world who is this guy and right before our very eyes he starts to make his way out into the water we're close enough to hear the conversation They're related. I'm told that they're cousins. And John says to this guy, I ought to be baptized by you. I'm not worthy to take your sandals off. And this guy says, for righteousness sake, let it be so. And I'll tell you what I saw. John put him under the water, and he came up. I don't know if you saw it, but I i can swear I saw something land upon him. It looked like a dove to me. And I'll never forget that sight. But I still have the question, who is this guy? Well, from that point on, I'm told that he was In the wilderness for like 40 days. And when he was in the wilderness, that our arch enemy, the enemy of our souls, actually met him there. After 40 days, he never ate or drank anything. And Satan, the great serpent, the dragon, the deceiver, the accuser of brethren, met him there, and he challenged him with three things. He said, you got to be hungry. See all these stones? Turn them to bread. And then he said, you know what? If you want a real following, if you're really the Messiah, you need to do something spectacular. Why don't you throw yourself off the top of the temple because the angels will catch you and wow, what a following you're going to have. And then he said, you know what? Here's the clincher. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. And I'm told that this guy responded three different times by saying it, is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god he said you know what thou shalt not tempt the lord thy god he fought the great satan with the word of god that's what i heard and right now if we hurry up i understand that he's making his way north I want to catch up. Let's go. And so as we make our way, we now get to a little area called Gilgal, and we're saying, hey, where's he going? Where's he going? Word is, is he's going to a place called Nazareth. And I can hear this guy in the back already. Do you hear him? What good can come out of Nazareth? Right? Where in the heck is that? It's this little village uh, up north, uh, overlooking the valley of Jezreel, kind of close to Cana. Why are we going there? Well, that's where he's from. And so we've gone, we're walking with him. Remember the title of the sermon? Who is this guy? And so now we go to this little bitty synagogue we're there we've made our way in and all of a sudden this guy goes in the back he gets out a scroll he comes and he lays it before on the bima he unrolls it and you know what he reads he reads this he says the spirit of the lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovering of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he took the scroll, rolled it back up, put it away. You know what he said? Today. In your hearing... This is fulfilled. What? This is, who is this guy? This is fulfilled. And you know, all those people that were crammed in that synagogue, there's only about 20, it's a small place, Nazareth, who had ever heard of the place? One of the guys in the back said this, he goes, who do you think you are? We know you. You grew up with our kids. You're Joseph and Mary's little boy. I saw you playing soccer out there. You were good. You were really good, right? But you just mixed it up with the kids. Who do you think you are? And all of a sudden, there seemed to be a rage that came. And if you've been to Nazareth before, you know that there are cliffs, it's called Mount Precipice. And they were pushing this guy close to the cliff because they were yelling things like, this is blasphemy. And they sought to push him off. But I'll never forget this. He had this look. And this we're going to revisit this look when he's in the temple in a moment. But he had this look and all of a sudden just like the red sea this mob parted and he walked right through the midst of them and then he makes his way he leaves nazareth and he goes to capernaum and we're going to spend time up there i want you to understand Before we can understand what happened at Bethphage, and before we can understand what happened at the temple, we have to understand who this guy is and what's going on in the minds of the people. Now Jesus is in Capernaum, and what does he do? Do you know that there are 37 recorded miracles in the Bible? 37 performed miracles of Jesus. Do you know that over 20 of them happened in Capernaum? You wanna guess how many happened in Jerusalem? The city of the great king, too. 23 in Capernaum. What did we see while we were there? He walked on water, he fed the multitudes. The blind saw, the lame walked. It's incredible. Who is this guy? And then it began to surface, I think he's the one. I think he is the promised one. We are so sick and tired of the Romans. Could this guy be the one that's finally going to put Israel back where they belong? Is he going to drive the Romans out? Let's go. And then I got word. He wanted us to go north. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know anything that's north except for one place. The original Sin City. The only place that's north is a place called Banyas or Panyas, or you might know it as Caesarea Philippi. And you know what? This is the place that Las Vegas could not hold a candle to. This was the most decadent place that the world had known. This is the place that the Roman soldiers would want to go on their vacation. Everything that you wanted would be in Caesarea Philippi. We're Jewish boys. This is the Messiah, what are we doing going there? And then you know what this guy does? He asks us a question. He says, Who do men say that I am? Well, you can probably guess who spoke first and the loudest Pete. So Peter shouts out, You're the Mashiach. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the Living God. You know what Jesus said to him? Gold star, buddy. You got it. You got it. And then he said, by the way, when we were here, if you hadn't been there before, you have to understand this place because there is like an entrance to hell there. It's called the Gates of Hades. And and it's, it's an entry into the nether world. And we're sitting there and Jesus says, when I build my church... You know what my church is about? I don't want you to build a building. I don't want you to build a strong tower that you can hide in. You know what I want you to do? I want you to attack the gates of hell. The message that I'm given, you need to kick down the doors of the gates of hell because this message needs to be heard. And then he says what? He says, okay, it's time to pick up where we're at in our passage. It's time to go up to Jerusalem. And by the way, when we get there, son of man, they're gonna kill me. They're gonna spit on me. This is what's gonna happen. And you can probably guess it, Pete, said, "Ah, uh-uh, ain't happening. We are now ready. Let's go. And we've now made our way up to this place that you just heard Tim read about, Beth Phage. It took a while, it's not a short journey to go from the Galilee all the way up to Jerusalem, but what's happening now? I see Jesus talking to a couple guys, and you know what they do? They leave us, and they come back with a donkey and a colt. And and it's Passover. This place is packed. There's no room at the end. There's no room anywhere. It is jam-packed. And there's such a sense of anticipation. Everybody's heard about what Jesus has been doing. And now we're hoping, we're praying. In fact, the words that you're hearing people shout what are they shouting? Hosiana! Hosiana! Or you might know it as Hosanna. You know what that means? That's not just a little chorus that we sing. It's a political statement. That's us yelling, God, save us now. And you know what? Jesus is now sitting on this young colt. People are actually waving palm branches. They're taking off their garments. We're at the top of the Mount of Olives. There's the temple and, and we're making our way down. And it is insane. It is so loud. We're caught up. This is it. This is the Messiah. He's coming into town. We're finally going to be done with the Romans. Whoa. And in fact, some of the religious people, those Pharisee guys, they came to Jesus and they said, you got to knock this off, man. You know, the Romans, they're coming. Oh, by the way, did I tell you? When, When Jesus was coming down the Mount of Olives on a donkey, Pilate, Jesus was coming from the east. Pilate lives. You might have thought he lived in Jerusalem. He doesn't. He lives on the coast in Caesarea. But every time we have a major feast... Rome Rome will send thousands of soldiers Pilate will mount the white horse and they'll make a processional from Caesarea coming from the west into Jerusalem saying make no mistake about it here comes Rome nobody's out for that processional everybody's on this side Everybody is yelling, Hoshiana, Hoshiana. We get to the bottom of the Kidron and I notice Jesus pauses. Because right at the bottom of the Kidron, Gethsemane. Place that we'll talk about in a couple months, probably. But Jesus pauses, and then he says, and we're wondering what's going to happen. Where are we going? He goes through the Kidron. You can see the gates. You can see the temple. And where are we going? Jesus is going through the rabbinical steps, the southern steps. He makes his way through. He's in the courtyard. It's the temple. Did I tell you the place is packed? This is insane. This I'm so glad to be alive to see this moment in time. And yet when we get there, Jesus pauses. We're, we're, in the, we're not in the temple proper. We're, we're in what's called the courtyard. Of the Gentiles. It's a place that they can come to pray. And and what's happened at Passover is this place is packed. And and again, what what do we do here? We we we've got to have sacrifices. So this has turned into a marketplace. Right? Pigeons, turtle doves, sheep, t-shirts. You know, you name it, you can buy it here. And what does Jesus do? He's over there making a whip. Remember that look that I told you about when we were were in Nazareth and they were going to push him off the cliff? That look, that's the same look he had there. And what did he begin doing? Kicking over tables. And then he yelled out, my father's house shall be a house. You know what he said? Did he say, my father's house shall be a house of blood? Because you guys are all sinners and you've got to figure out a way to <laughs> take care of this sin problem. We're going we're to just butcher animals, put blood over everything. No. Do you think he says, my father's house will be a house of worship. Have you ever heard that Levite band? They're incredible. This temple is filled with worship. No, he didn't say that either. He says, my father's house shall be a house of teaching. Right? Expository teaching. I wonder who's going to teach tonight. I wonder who will teach next week. You know, Doesn't say that either. What does he say? My father's house shall be a house of prayer. Well, from there, I told you it was crowded. We're going to Bethany. That's where Mary, Martha, Laz, that's where they live. We think we can stay with them. We've left the city We're up, it was good to see him. We get up early in the morning, we're heading back, and we're kind of hungry, but on our way, there's a fig tree there, and that fig tree has leaves all over. And if a fig tree has leaves, guess what else it has? Figs. We're hungry, we're going to the fig tree, but as much as... As hard as we look, we can't find anything. And you know what Jesus does? He curses the fig tree, and right before our very eyes, it withers. So that's our passage, that's our interactive sermon. But the question that I have is that not only do we can see it through the eyes of those that were there, what does this say to us today? What does it say to Anthem? What lessons can we learn? First of all, Jesus chooses the beast of burden carefully. He doesn't choose the white horse. He's making a statement. This Messiah, in his first coming, will be that Passover lamb that gave his life for us all. This first coming. He comes in humility. He tells us that the greatest in his kingdom are those that what? Serve. Might does not make right. Roman rule will come to an end. As we look at it today, it's tempting to want to follow Rome's way. But listen, more times than not, it will be with humility and service and not with megaphones and loud protest that God will have his way. It's tempting. But if we're going to follow this Messiah, we're going to ride in on a beast of burden and we're going to serve. When we look at our city and say, how do we serve our city? It's not because we're going to formulate a great message to gather them all together, and we'll preach it, and they'll all come to know Jesus. You know how we'll serve this city? It's going to be our reputation of serving and loving Not with megaphones standing on street corners. Not by raising flags. Serving. The Roman Empire came. It went. But the kingdom of God is still in our midst. Amen? And he will return. By the way, he will return on a white horse. But right now... He's calling his church to ride in on a donkey and to serve. And then we have to think about my father's house. You know, Chris and I were talking about this message. And usually when this message is given, it sort of guilts us into thinking we need to have more prayer meetings, right? But how do we do this? Let's start organizing more prayer meetings. I don't think that's what... I want to communicate to you. My Father's house, I love worship. You come to my house, our house is filled with worship. I love teaching. Oh, I love the word of God. I love to study the word of God. But Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. What is that? What is prayer? And this is an elder of the church saying to you, you know what I'm praying for us for this upcoming year? You know what prayer is? It's just talking to Jesus. Just talking to Jesus. The reason Jesus got so upset there is that It was so noisy. It was a marketplace. The place was supposed to be a place that people could come and talk to God. My father's house, Anthem, needs to be a house of prayer. But you know what? It's a girls and boys club. I mean, I don't know about you, but I keep looking at that sign all the time. I keep thinking, I'm worshiping at the foot of Kootenai Health. You know, sort of stuff. You know, it is what it is. But you know where the house of God is today? Do you know where his temple is? In you. You. He's making his residency with you. And so he is saying, you know what I want? You know what this is all about? Me and you. Just talking to Jesus. And then we make the journey. We go up to Bethany. And what happens? You know, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel. And this fig tree looked the part, it had leaves. It looked the part. But you know what? Didn't have any fruit. And Jesus doesn't have room for people that are only looking the part. Religious people. He's a fruit inspector, right? So what does that say about us right now? Who we are? And I'll end with this. So Kyle, come on up. Because of the world in which we live today it's easy to run to one side or another. And it's easy to want to be known by what you're against. But the question that as elders we're asking our church is what do we stand for? What is it that brings us together? Last week, Neil talked about the shadow at the foot of the cross. Speaking for myself, do you know what I'm for? I don't want to tell you what I'm against, but you know what I'm for? I'm for our church loving God's word. I'm for our church talking to Jesus. That's my challenge. When's the last time you've talked to Jesus? Sometimes we talk, he wants to hear our hearts, but the reason we need the word of God is because if we want to hear his voice, more times than not, that comes when we study and read the bible i'm for that i'm for us being a house of prayer i'm for us reading the word of god you know what else i'm for i'm for us having more baptisms i'm i'm for us winning the lost i'm for us blessing our city i'm for us riding in on donkeys looking for a way to serve having fruit in our lives because it's clear jesus says you want to be known you want to be a part of my kingdom you want to get rid of the romans By their fruit, they shall know you. And that's love. And that's service. And that's my heart for Anthem. Amen? God bless you guys.